Discologist is brought to you in part by Osiris Media. If you love live music, if you love music in general, and I know you do because you're listening to this right here, head on over to OsirisPod.com and find all the great shows up there uh, like Freak Flag Flying with David Crosby, uh, Dead to Me, uh, our sister podcast hosted by Casey Ray, Broke Down Pod hosted by our friend Jonathan Hart. Find all that and more at OsirisPod.com, our partner with Jambase to bring you not just podcasts and videos, but live events as well. Osiris Media, killing it on the regular. Now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back to the Musical that you are now tuning in yet another exciting audio adventure with us here on Discologist. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. And I'm so happy to have you here hanging out with us. The kind shack just outside of the wonderful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, got a great show for you today, I think. Talking about um, some music that is stuff we don't often talk about uh, that is almost entirely computer-made music. This isn't completely computer-made music, but uh, Alnis Obel. Uh, some of you might have heard that name. If not, we're going to tell you all about her in just a minute. Uh, she has a new album out called Myopia, and uh, uh, this is a remarkable Danish musician that builds atmosphere like nobody's business. Uh, you have definitely heard her songs, uh, given that she sells out every single show she plays in the U.S., but uh, my friend Wes is going to join me to talk about that. And then uh, if you stick around, we're going to be talking about a little project we've started. Uh, one thing I've wanted to do here um, for a long time is actually get to where we are, uh, putting our money where our mouth is and putting music out into the world. And, and so the seeds of that have been planted. So we're going to talk to you about that. Uh, so hang out after we talk about myopia and listen to that. And then right now, let's, uh, let's get into it. For uh, the uninitiated to Obel's music, I think the easiest place to start is the first single for her new album, Myopia. So here you go. This is Can't Be off of Alanis Obel's Myopia. Thank you. 
that's a little bit of can't be off uh, Alnus Obel. Uh, Wes, I, I, I think we're pronouncing that correctly. I hope I you're not getting so. trolled by the internet. But uh, we did uh, what we could, you know. We, we did what we, we could. Uh, some people say it Agnes Obel. Uh, most people just say remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a Danish singer-songwriter, uh, musician. And if you recognize her but don't necessarily recognize the name, that's because she's one of those people that gets – her music on all kinds of uh, TV shows and film work, uh, with good reason. There's, you can tell, there's like a cinematic quality to that. Uh, she's been in uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, The Mist, the short-lived series uh, based on the Stephen King thing, uh, and and you know, it's this haunted vibe that lends itself to like just hyper dramatic scenes. Uh, she is a one-woman band. Uh, she has some people to come in and help her from time to time, but really. Her method is is a lot of what's fascinating about her is uh, – and what a lot of what this album is about is that she tends to try to isolate herself from everything she's doing when she's making this work. Uh, and she, she needs to be totally cut off from all context uh, to get to some pure place. And that's something I think you and I both like uh, – like respect greatly uh, that's that's something people don't talk about a lot of times you talk about collaboration and music and having to need uh, something to feed off of and this is the exact inverse of it mm-hmm. and there are pros and cons to it and, there, and there's pros and cons to that in her music I think and her first album was out in uh, 2010 it's Philharmonics in 2013 she had Aventine 2016 Citizen of Glass she's very concerned with process for each of these things she tried different stuff with the instrumentation and it's stuff that you can only really do for, uh, for for lack of a better term, like an in-the-box musician, mm-hmm. right? She's doing a lot of this in, in a computer. These things have become uh, so good, these instruments, at what they're doing. The line is starting to blur between if – is this actually creating traditional music or music in a traditional way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think maybe – a couple of years ago, I would have heard this and not necessarily been as, as fascinated by it. Uh, it's solid. It's competent. It sounds uh, – has a lot in common with uh, Tom York's solo work. Mm-hmm. It's unclear who influenced who in that. Uh, likely, she influenced him would be, would be my guess. Um, but, uh, but, you know, recently it's just this idea that you're taking things that don't really exist – and turning them into something uh, so often magical, in her case, uh, is is kind of fascinating, and it's a new it's a new uh, sort of paradigm for me. Yeah, I find it really interesting that I mean, you know, you you mentioned the kind of like like traditional music or traditional aspects, and mm-hmm. um, we're at this really interesting point with music technology, you know, whether it's the DAW that an artist is using or if it's the, you know, digital instruments or if they're using real instruments that are getting altered somehow um, in post-production or whatever it is. Um, her sound is quite traditional in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. Like, her, you know, her albums, you could listen to them and if you were told that they were made in, like, you know, the 80s or 90s with a group of string players um, and yeah. a few people um, harmonizing vocals there wouldn't be any reason to question that. Um, and that's been one of the things, like, again, like, I didn't know anything about how she made it when I first started listening to her. Um, right. And one of the things that was really interesting for me is that on one of the other albums, and I'm, I'm blanking right now on which one it is, but um, one of my favorite of her pieces, um, there's what I always thought was a male vocalist. Um, 
you know, duetting with her. And as I've read more about her, I'm pretty sure that she, I know that she pitch, pitch shifts a lot of instruments and, and her yeah. own vocals. I'm pretty sure that that person, because I was actually looking up, like I loved this guy's voice and I was just like, okay, I want to see what, I'm pretty sure that that's her pitch shift down. Um, so it's yes, this really it interesting thing to yeah. do something that's pretty traditional in sound using very modern contemporary techniques. Yes, and, and it feels like as somebody who is uh, mainly a guitar player, uh, but uh, played violin for years, uh, all, all kinds of instruments, but uh, my point is like a traditional, like hands-on acoustic instrumentalist, uh, anybody who is, is, is often skeptical of that approach. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have to harmonize with something, you clearly have to sing another part. Mm -hmm. And what's developed in the 21st century now, fully developed, I think, is this idea that maybe you don't. And maybe that's actually valid because what you're really trying to get at is is some tone, some vibration that has some meaning to somebody. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I think, the the gist of her work. This album, uh, she says, is is about nursing your own tunnel vision. You know, this, this state she puts herself in, this myopic state, uh, is is important to her creative process, but also uh, she recognizes it as uh, it can be potentially damaging. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be hard uh, to relate to the outside world, clearly, after that, you know, and, and dissociative and, and um, not something, you know, you hear so much about artists when they create something uh, – and it's kind of refreshing to like hear about it. You double down on that with some of the themes, other themes that she's talking about on this. One of them, a big thing on this album is grief. I want to I want to play the song Island of Doom. Uh, this is about uh, essentially how loss, especially death, uh, is sometimes like impossible to shake. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it sounds kind of like death it's, yeah. it sounds like you're coasting through heaven or wherever uh, but here, here's a little island doom island of doom and you can uh, hear for yourself
So for me, the biggest thing with her is atmosphere. Um, and, you know, this is something that we talk about in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I'm an ambient musician. Everything that I'm doing with my own work is about creating atmosphere. Um, and yet I'm a huge jazz fan, all about mm. creating atmosphere. And to a certain extent, I think when you're going to create an authentic atmosphere, sometimes doing that on your own is the best way to go about it. Um, yeah. It's... Yeah challenging obviously like there's benefits as you said earlier benefits and drawbacks to any of these approaches but when you bring somebody else in they can hear something in a particular piece of music that you'll never hear and add something that you know builds it or, or um you know pushes it to the next level in certain ways but they might also throw off that atmosphere that you kind of have in your mind um right and right. so that's a really interesting thing and you know again i mean think kind of thinking about that that traditional and and you know contemporary or you know old school acoustic versus technological digital yeah. thing like i mean i think a lot just about creative process about how people do these things and you know like one of my all-time favorite pieces of music is um thomas tallis um Speminalium. he's a you know tudor era composer um and this is a particular piece it's a choral piece um that he wrote for eight five-piece choirs and I particularly about, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 years ago was just kind of like meditating on this idea of what does it take to be able to hear eight five-piece choirs in your head and be able right. to write that down in pre-digital times. You know, he was not working with right. a computer that he was kind of going off to. You know, this is somebody who had to compose this stuff um, and write it out. And I'm sure he was working with groups of singers to hear it and test it and make sure it was working in some ways and stuff like that. But, you know, that kind of thing is just... Like, I'd be really curious to know exactly what she hears in her head as she's composing these things, um, you know, what that part of her process is. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to the, the thing about what does it take to, to write all those things down and stuff, the question for me becomes, like, it, how – is it ego or anti-ego? Like is it like is it you just believe so much in yourself that you have mm -hmm. to get it right, or is you you are sort of surrendering your ego and letting this thing happen? And that that depends on like your view of of whether or not music is some mystical force in the universe, yeah. and you're tapping into like and it's totally yeah you know a quasi religious view of stuff absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with her, I, you know, I I get the feeling it is very much uh, ego less. This is somebody who has put the work in, obviously. I don't know what her training is, but um, you know, she can play a lot of instruments. She can compose. She can sing. Um, it's yeah, and and, yeah. and people give uh, for what we'll just refer to for this conversation, like electronic musicians, a lot of shit sometimes mm -hmm. uh, because they're like, oh, you, you didn't really do that, and that's sort of what we're talking about. But but at the same time, like you said, she put in the work, but she also uh, the results are there. Yeah, and there, you, you know. Whatever well, I, vision she has is ending up like yeah, fully formed and fully and, and, and yep. it affects yep. you. It's yep. not, it's not yep. just like that's pretty. Uh, you know, somebody you, we could go in right now and like craft some atmospheric thing, and sure. it wouldn't be and it wouldn't be that that line right. between just doing something and then but creating something meaningful is so uh, it's impossible to see, but it's so important. It absolutely is. And I think a lot of that is, uh, you know, it's, it's an emotional content to some extent. So when we were talking about um, the Jeff Parker album, um, you know, and I was kind of talking about this concern of is 
you know, cutting pieces of jazz music up and, and looping and sampling and things like that, is there a possibility of losing emotional content? And that's something I was very much, you know, when you're mentioning this, you know, the, the skepticism that can be there of electronic artists, I was totally one of those. You know, my late teens, when I got into Aphex Twin, Musique, um, you know, a lot of those artists blew my mind, you know, changed my world, um, listened to a lot of that stuff for a number of years. And then I hit this point where I was like, you know, I've spent my whole life learning to play these instruments and these people are just like spending a couple months learning a program and putting something together. And it just like, I don't know, like I'm, I got all snooty and arrogant about it. It was just like, oh, there's not that much. And then I heard yeah. uh, Burial Untrue um, in 2007 and it just blew my mind because of the emotional content. And I was like, wait a minute, like, okay, I've been writing off stuff that I shouldn't. Um, and so that just shows it doesn't matter how it's created. If you can get emotion and beauty into a piece of, of art, um, that's something exceptional, you know, and, and whether you're using traditional instruments, traditional composition methods, or if you're using something new, it doesn't really matter if you're connecting with your audience. Yeah. And, and, you know, we already mentioned, or I already mentioned Tom York, but, you know, I, I think this is something we're coming up on a big anniversary for uh, Kid A, mm. uh, which I think was an, an example of, of that, that type of thing that was yeah. not expected as, yeah. I mean, but certainly wasn't the start of it. This is, look, this has been 50 plus years of, of no, but it was a perfection music. of that kind of thing at the time. At, I mean, at, that was at, another at, one at the time. Uh, it was a me. generational peak. Like, yes. How about that? Oh yeah. Not, That's, not, yeah. Not, but, but I think in latter day, uh, Radiohead and Tom York's, uh, solo work, I think he's not necessarily getting to those peaks. No. Um, no. but, but in, in the way that she most definitely is, mm -hmm. um, it's still winter-ish, I guess, and uh, and it certainly is in Wisconsin. But yeah, but uh, you know, it's cold and it's snowy and stuff. And th and this is something uh, much like the Jessica Pratt album last year. Mm -hmm. You know, you pull this one of these albums out that you need uh, this sort of quiet stillness. But there there is there's still a lot going on. Uh, there's it's it's gorgeously performed, and it mm -hmm. it just fits a mood. Uh, there's nothing on here for me that actually like jumps out as like oh this is the hit, mm -hmm. but I don't know that this is even that kind of music. No, uh, I don't this think is you want a hit on this kind of album. It uh -uh. would it would be jarring somehow. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I think that's partially a function of her not being American, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's more room uh, if you're outside of America to do stuff like this, to make a more – what some would classify as like an orchestral, yeah. a neoclassical album. Right, if exactly. You will. Yeah. Um, and it, that it gets put – you know, this is coming out on Blue Note, but that it gets put out into the pop sphere mm -hmm. to compete with everything is, is kind of fascinating because it's clearly – on a different level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this is pop classical music. I suppose. I mean, I would consider her to be a classical artist and, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. a neoclassical artist at least, you know, but it's not, it's not classical gas, you know, which I mean, I kind of love that <laughs> tune too, but you know, it's, it's right. not that. <laughs> right. So, so what's the high point on this for you? Uh, broken sleep. Um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, for me, you know, as I said, atmosphere is the big thing with her, um, but her melodies um, just get me. Um, they're simple but beautiful and effective. Um, and yeah, this song, um, it's the way that she's using the layering. Um, it's the way that she's working with harmony and melody in what, you know, again, I, I think of as kind of a classical form um, that just... I don't know. It, it just kills me. You know, this is a song that I can just put on and kind of sit in silent reflection and just, yeah, 
beauty. Yeah. Well, let's let's do that. Here's a little bit of broken sleep. Yeah, that, that is that is all kinds of something. Um, That's this just is, fucking pretty, man. Yeah, it's and you know it's a song. There there is, despite how beautiful this sounds. I, I think this album is is mostly about existential dread. Uh, you know the 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 myopia of the thing is is one thing, but uh, in this one, you know, there's some. She's talked about this a little, and it's she was dealing with insomnia. And uh, and started looking into the cultural history of sleep, and she started to think of sleep and death as familiar states, mm-hmm. and that problems of sleep being linked to uh, to fear of death, and then sort of meditated on that, and 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 you know that's not a way I've ever really looked at it, but you know now now that she put that in my head, I'm like oh shit, like that's actually yeah you know, no we, that's a thing. <laughs> It's yeah, yeah, thing. it's it, and it's like it's it's sort of like the ultimate FOMO, <laughs> you know. You you uh, what if you die in your sleep? What what if that's it? You know, or you get lost in this dream world. I don't know how, if you're uh, good at having like really crazy dreams. I am, and like sometimes it's like it's a bummer to wake up. Sometimes like please let me wake up, man. Yeah, sometimes, but honestly, I'll, for many reasons, I'll take the either getting lost in my dreams or the dying in my sleep over a lot of other options. You know, that's perhaps <laughs> a, more complex and maybe yeah. a different podcast. But um, but I mean, I think like there are elements like. Sleep is the closest in some ways to death that we can get as living human beings. Um, mm-hmm. It's also the closest to an entryway to a different world. Um, yeah. And I know, I mean, my dreams, oftentimes I dream about um, a number of different places that are kind of always are often there. Um, you know, certain cities, certain towns um, that I return to very frequently oh, that gosh. have a very real um, – they have a reality to me. Um, like I could map out some areas of some of these towns. I can tell you, um, you know, parts of some of these buildings that I visit in my sleep. Like what that is, where that is, does it exist? Is it some sort of multidimensional thing? Like, you know, are we talking yeah, – yeah. 
particle physics or are we talking about you know something else but at the same time like there there have been these connections um i remember reading a book when i was in college um i think it was dreams in the underworld or something like that i believe it was uh, james hillman i think mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah and and it's uh it was a brilliant brilliant book i i think i still have it downstairs um and he talks a lot about that kind of thing like there are definitely connections between those states um well, yeah. I mean, the, the the fact that she's like sort of tapping into that and using that as inspiration. There's, uh, there's obviously like decades, uh, even more of dream interpretation. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're 40 and it's all like psychosexual, so you know. Uh, but yeah, like re recurring places, recurring. Uh, there's definitely spaces that I have uh, uh, buildings, a few specific mm -hmm. buildings, like you said, mm -hmm. that don't exist. Right, they just simply yeah. don't exist. Yeah. But for some reason, I keep like returning to them, and it is an interesting question on whether or not that actually means something. And right. even if it doesn't, you can you can decide. And it seems what she's done is is uh, for a lot of this album decided that that stuff actually means something. I was watching um, the Outsider, the Stephen King adaptation, and uh, you know it taps into that as supernatural stuff and you don't know what's a dream or not but one of the characters in there says dreams are messages man and mm -hmm. that's such a like an old trope in mm -hmm. sci-fi but it also comes from uh like ancient like shamanistic practices yeah. like our earliest religious things where where you saw visions and that's what they were yep. considered to be and dreams are a way of processing our experiences processing our emotions yep. these other things i will say also when you're talking about grief as a you know theme of this album Dreams are one of the places that we can visit and interact with the people who aren't with us anymore um, or, you know, the places that we aren't anymore and things like that, um, which has a lot of power. At the same time, there are a lot of those questions. You know, when you talk about spiritual and religious traditions, you know, in both yogic teachings and Buddhist teachings, there's a lot of kind of discussion of things that may be interesting, but that you shouldn't attach yourself to or linger on um, and so right kind of like how much time do you spend with these kind of things or is it something yeah. that is kind of just an illusion or is a road bump that you shouldn't really be paying too much attention to um and i think sleep and dreams are one of the things that we least understand um yeah. you know we're in a position where we're <laughs> i think we're realizing in many ways how misguided we've been in our approaches to many things as humans um <laughs> people may have noticed that um there's a lot we've made a whole lot of mistakes um yeah and and we're paying for those mistakes and um trying to figure out deeper meaning trying to figure out where to really put focus and attention and what's important and what matters um, and things like that. You know, one thing that I will say for all the struggles that many of us are going through right now in these big picture existential ways, um, there's a lot of focus on what's important, what matters to us, what yeah. brings us joy or hope or love or just contentment or whatever in our lives. Um, and, you know, for me, one of the things that brings that is a certain type of atmosphere that is brought around through a certain type of music. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that I've been, as I said earlier, I got very, very, I, I very quickly became a huge fan of Anna Sobel. Um, and that was because the atmosphere that she is creating is something that I need 
in my emotional state right now. It's something yeah. that I find comforting. It's something that I find because it has that dread in it, perhaps it's something that it's not, you know, it doesn't seem, it's not classical gas. <laughs> it's not no, it, cheesy. It, and it's, 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 it's the weirdest thing too, because this is a dark album, but it doesn't feel oppressive. And, and yeah, that's something yeah. you don't often see. There's a, there's a great quote from here. Um, from her about this and she says for me myopia is an album about trust and doubt can you trust yourself or not can you trust your own judgments can you trust that you will do the right thing can you trust your instincts and what you are feeling or are you feeling skewed that it goes on longer to say like she thinks maybe you cannot it's yeah yeah it seems <laughs> and, that way and and what's fascinating about that quote and that that approach to this album and how it ended up is that you know this isn't like a journey uh through darkness and it ends in light no. it's just sort of like what if this <laughs> it's an exploration that doesn't right. have you know beginnings or ends in any of those yeah. lighter dark places and it's and it's also something i mean that right there is kind of that encapsulates why this is something that can only properly be achieved as far as i'm concerned by one super talented artist on her yeah. own. Um, you know, if you're going into the studio and like, okay, I've got this song that I've written. Here are the chords. Like, you know, here's the charts that I'm going to bring out. And, you know, Davey's going to come in and play bass and then Ben's going to pick up on the drums and, you know, we're going to lay these things down. Obviously, you can achieve great things with that method. Um, but to study things like doubt and trust as internal concepts, mm. um, you know, this is not like, you know, a 70s soul album talking about can you trust your romantic partner? Um, right, you know, this right. is about doubt and trust in very different ways. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. One of the things I've thought a lot about um, kind of in preparations for this conversation, there's um, a, a, particular, a couple of particular metal projects um, that I was talking about with my cousin um, a number of years ago. This is quite a long time ago, but um, one of them is um, one guy doing everything himself and then one of his side projects where he's working with a group. Um, and I was playing them for my cousin and just saying, hey, I think you'd really like this stuff. And I remember telling him um, about the, the first project, um, which is Al Alcest, and it's not you know, just a solo project, but it comes and goes, right. uh, you know, French producer. Um, and one of his albums that's like largely just him. Um, and that to me, like, I love that. You know, what one person yeah. can do on their own really blows me away. And my cousin, admittedly, I say that as a, as a musician who works almost you know, oh, primarily yeah, and almost yeah. entirely on my own. My cousin, who generally, who's a very, very talented musician and usually plays with other people, and when I told him that, he was disappointed. He was like, oh, I <laughs> thought this was a band. Like, I thought this was the production that a group of people came together and do this, and I don't like it as much knowing it's one person. Where, and that just kind of like, that shocked me because I was just like, I like it so well, much more. Like, it, when it, one person can do that themselves, yeah, I don't know, it just blows me away. Yeah, and that, and that sort of circles back to what we were saying at the top of this, is that how we understand how music is made. If if you can take these tools that she's using to recreate something, so say uh, a really bitchin' guitar solo, but you've never picked up a guitar, mm -hmm. it's the, what's is that valid? More yeah. and more, I'm starting to think it is. 
more yeah. and more because I think I think because of work like this, and uh, she's not the only one out here that is forward thinking. You know, you mentioned uh, Holly Herndon off mic, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Thinking of of how we interact with not just machines, right? Uh, but what these sounds actually mean and what they like can a certain sound bring out the same emotion as what we expected from an acoustic instrument? Yeah. And how do they um, relate to humanity and machines and all that? Yeah, like it's, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's it's fascinating stuff and. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, this is a remarkable, I think, fourth album for her. Yeah, and, uh, and I and would it, say that unlike some of the other things that are being made with similar thematic concepts, this is something that I, I, I would just say that works for me as a lovely, pleasant evening listen. In the way that some of those other things work intellectually, I find them interesting. Yep, but I'm not going to put them on as much. Um, right, and this is something that I think has has nailed that balance like it's something that is intellectually fascinating um technically really really impressive um but it's also just a beautiful album to listen to um and that's one of the things that just really gets me with her stuff like it's it's just beautiful to listen to and yet it has a lot of meaning behind it a hundred percent cosine uh so uh go out and get this kids because it is uh it's awesome Alice Obel's Myopia is available everywhere you can buy records. Go out and do that now. Uh, it's out on Blue Note. Fantastic, the wonderful Blue Note records. Uh, you know, I, I admit I am a little late to the party here, but uh, now that I'm in, I'm in. And uh, I've been digging back through her entire catalog this past weekend, and she is just absolutely phenomenal. So uh, so please uh, check it out, especially if this, if this is new to you. Uh, you will be you'll be rewarded. Um, speaking of being rewarded and maybe not so much rewarded, uh, wanted to talk to you about a little thing that we've been, we've been trying to do for quite a few number of years now. Uh, you know, we are all, uh, in various states or, or levels of music makers as well as music critics. And, uh, for whatever reason, uh, most of us have been slack. I certainly have. Uh, and, and that changed. I picked up a little, uh, a uh, complete a native instruments a25 and uh, and sort of have started to get to work on stuff and and the idea is that we are going to be making uh, not necessarily even complete songs if something great comes out of it then something great comes out of it and that, that's what we that's you know the ultimate goal I guess but really the real goal is is just to create and just the the sheer act of creation and how magical that is. And then uh, see what comes up and see what we like and see what you guys like. So occasionally you're going to be hearing tracks from that on this. A lot of them will be just me, but this one, uh, the person you just heard, Mr. Wes Covey, is uh, joining us as a screen boy here. Uh, these, these tracks are often going to be also 
uh, inspired by political daily events. I pay attention to a lot of news, and uh, and you know sometimes rather than just scream into the void, into the endless void, uh, it's better to go uh, make some metal. So that's what we're gonna do here. Uh, so this is a uh, track we knocked out in about an hour and a half. Uh, it is, for my money, uh, the best metal I've ever made. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever that's worth. Uh, here is Pardon This from Maximilian and the Reinhardt. So that's us. Uh, that is uh, that is the dumb shit that we do when we're not making podcasts. Uh, so if you liked it, then uh, cool. If you didn't, that's cool too. Uh, this is not not taking it not taking it terribly seriously. If you want to get in on this project, hit me up at Kevin at ChunkyGlasses dot com, and uh, we can work together, man. And uh, you know, it doesn't have to be anything really. It can just just get in there and and make some noise. You know, we talked about that on the John Moreland podcast, the, the the value of just going and, and making stuff, whether or not it leads to anything. So the difference here is we're just putting it out. So that's going to be going on. Go to Maximilian and the Reinhardt. That's R-E-I-N-H-A-R-D-T at Bandcamp. Uh, we are out on the socials at Twitter right now. Might get more involved there. But, uh, but check it out. Follow us. And, um, yeah, you'll be hearing you'll be hearing from us soon enough. That is the end of this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, get out on the socials. Talk about us. Talk to us. We're at Chunky Glasses everywhere. Uh, you can go to the site, junkyglasses.com. You can look at all the live coverage that Mauricio Castro and his team are doing in Washington, D.C. It is fantastic. Um, and then you can always email us. I just gave you the email. But, you know, just, just hit us up, man, from time to time. And uh, if we're not too busy, we'll, we'll respond and whatnot. So that's it. We're out of here. Uh, we'll talk to you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon.
<laughs> Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>